So good to see many of you today. Thank you so much for finding your way here to worship with us uh, this Sunday afternoon. If you have your Bibles, if you could open it up to Luke chapter 2, verses 10 through 14. Christmas canceled. How would you react to the news that Christmas was canceled this year? Children, what if your moms and dads told you no Christmas this year? No Christmas presents? No Christmas cards? No Christmas trees? No Christmas decorations? No Christmas carols? No Christmas movie classic marathon? No elf? No Christmas celebration at all? Well, this is not some nightmare before Christmas. This is actually reality this year in Bethlehem and Jerusalem and Jordan. In these cities, Christmas is indeed canceled. In an article in Christianity Today, it reports, church leaders in Bethlehem and across the Holy Land have decided to mute Christmas celebrations this year due to the ongoing Israel-Hamas war. Typically in this city, this season is jammed with more than 3 million visitors coming from all over the world to celebrate the birth of the Messiah. Marching bands and carol singers and dancers and fireworks would fill the city with loud cheer and festive energy. Instead, the streets are dark and hushed. It will be a silent night this Christmas. Well, this silent night in Bethlehem is not so much different from that silent night more than 2,000 years ago on the night of Jesus' birth. The night was silent, yet it was holy. When the glory of God in the highest touched down to the lowliest of form as a human baby, and the peace that invaded a dark and hopeless world, that ancient night is still the peace that is the good news of great joy, even in a war-torn Bethlehem night. Well, why is the peace of Christmas still relevant, still important, still significant, whether in Bethlehem or Bethesda, whether 2,000 years ago or in 2023 for you and me today? This afternoon from Luke chapter 2, verses 10 through 14, I want to share with you three reasons why the peace that Christ brought is still good news for us today. Here's the outline so you know where we're headed. In question form, why is the peace of Christ still good news? Three points. Because, point number one, it is the peace that brings good news of great joy, from verse 10. Point number two, because it is the peace that brings fulfillment of the promised Messiah, verses 11 through 12. And point number three, because it is peace that brings salvation to his people and great glory to God, verses 13 and 14. Peace that brings good news of great joy, peace that brings fulfillment of the promised Messiah, and peace that brings salvation to his people and great glory to God. Brothers and sisters, I pray that, that through this message, you will be reminded afresh of the blessed peace we have in Christ no matter what circumstances or trials that confronts you today in Christ, there is true and unshakable hope. Amen? Guests and visitors, thank you so much for joining us today for our Sunday gathering. Whether you are joining us as a visitor or as an honored guest, we welcome you today. If you do not consider yourself a Christian, we especially welcome you. We have been praying for you. It's ironic these days that Christmas is one of the biggest holidays celebrated around the world, yet our society has been trying to take Christ out of Christmas, haven't they? They've been trying to dismiss the birthday boy out of his own birthday celebration, if you will. Well, here at New Covenant Baptist Church and other gospel preaching churches, Christians gather together every Sunday to celebrate Jesus Christ who came to earth 
to die and rise again for you and me. So we pray that you would come to know him as more than just a mere man, more than just a good guy, more than just a prominent prophet, but as the one true living God. So without further ado, let's turn to his word found on page 857 of the Blue Bibles around you. And as you turn there, I want to encourage you to please keep your Bibles open for the entire duration of the message. Reference it often so that you know that this is God's word for you to encourage you and bless you today. Luke chapter 2, verses 10 through 14 says this. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. Why is the birth of Jesus good news? Point number one, because it is peace that brings good news of great joy. Look at verse 10 again. It says this, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. It was a quiet winter night for these shepherds who were watching the flock, probably dozing off, dreaming about a warm bath or a hot meal. Shepherds would have been among the least likely candidates to receive such grand announcement. Shepherds in that society were despised, distrusted, and deprived of their civil rights. Yet it was as if God was making it crystal clear to what kind of people the good news of Jesus comes to. Not to the rich and to the powerful. Not to those who have no sense of their need. It came to despised shepherds, to those who were lowly. As one pastor says, to these lowly men, the angel gives the highest theology. Well, more specifically, why is the announcement of the angel such important news, such high theology? As one can imagine, the sudden appearance of an angel might be frightening for many of us, as you too might be shocked out of your socks if an angel suddenly interrupted your evening by radiating light of God's glory around you. But as the angel said, fear not, for behold, I bring you news of great joy. You see, this news is news that turns a dark night bright. This news is news that turns fear to peace. This news is news that brings the glory of the highest heaven to the lowliest and the most despised of men. Literally, the doctrine of incarnation, God becoming flesh, is the reality that the highest divinity became one of the lowest depravity. That's why the original word for the translated words, good news, means the gospel. The birth of Jesus was a gospel of great joy. Now I'm going to talk more about what the gospel exactly means in a few minutes, but I want to focus first on the nature of what this good news is. By the original word, this news is not simply merely news, it's good news. Whereas headlines these days are filled with fear-provoking, anxiety-inducing, stress-enhancing information and events, this news is good in essence, in its entirety. Good news of great joy. Charles Spurgeon notes, every word is emphatic in this phrase, as if to show the gospel is above all things intended to promote and will most abundantly create the greatest possible joy in the human heart wherever it is received. Earth joys are small, 
Her mirth is trivial, but heaven has sent us joy immeasurable, fit for immortal minds. Close quote. Why? Because it is lasting joy. It cannot be taken away. Why? Because it is pure and holy joy, a joy that comes to us from heaven. As one theologian says, it's joy that is not just a feeling, but an eschatological joy brought by the arrival of the messianic age. It's endless, eternal, heavenly joy that invaded time and space on earth through the arrival of Jesus in human flesh. But one more note from verse 10. This good news of great joy is for all the people. Look at it carefully. It doesn't say for all people. It's very specific. It says all the people. For the sake of time, let me just tell you the people means the Jews. Specifically in this verse, in light of the context. The good news of great joy came first to the Jews, as according to Romans 1.16. And what this tells us is that this good news of great joy was not just random. It was not a free-for-all. But that every detail of this good news was God's grand plan of His redemption and salvation of sinful man from the very beginning. This plan of salvation took thousands of years to perfect and to accomplish. It is a foolproof plan, which moves us to our second point. Why is the peace of Jesus still good news? Point number two, because it is peace that brings fulfillment of the promised Messiah from verses 11 through 12. Verses 11 and 12 again says this, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloth and lying in a manger. Look at verse 11. It is packed with so much meaning. Every word of the verse intends to explicate its historicity and theological accuracy. The word for explains the reason why this news was good news of great joy. The phrase, unto you, to the Jews, to the chosen nation and the people of God, tells us of God's faithfulness to set apart and sustain a people throughout the generations, despite their unfaithfulness, despite their repeated rebellion and sin. God is not surprised by our sin, you see. God's plan is not thwarted by man's rebellion. God simply will not abandon his own. Not because they themselves are all that special. Old Testament history tells us the opposite. But because God's mercy is great, because God's grace knows no bounds, because God's love is infinite, and because God will keep his word. The phrase, is born, is reminiscent of the words from John chapter 1. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. It is the basis of the Christian faith. Apart from the incarnation coming of the eternal Son, taking on human nature, there is no hope for the world at all. There is no salvation. Again, as Charles Spurgeon says it simply, the incarnation of Jesus is our salvation. Jesus becoming man is the reason for our salvation. As I shared a few weeks ago, our belief in the doctrine of the incarnation is what makes Christianity so different and unique from every other religion in the world. Other religions cannot even fathom it. No man could think of it on their own. They think it's preposterous that God would debase himself as a lowly human being. Every other religion is, in fact, about man working their way up towards God. But that's exactly why this news is good news of great joy. God came to us in Christ. Hallelujah. The phrase this day or today 
marks the specific day in history when Jesus was born of a woman. It's not some figurative day. It's not some day of symbolism. It's a day in actual history which inaugurated the Messianic age. As you know, history has changed because of this day. The timeline of humanity had split in two, B.C. and A.D., because why? Jesus is the center of it all. And from this day forward, Jesus would say, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. There is no reversing this day. There is no nullifying this day. There is no undoing this day. Jesus came and he dwelt among his people. He fulfilled the words of the prophecy of Isaiah 7:14, written hundreds of years before he was even born. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. We as a church have been studying 1 Kings, and in 1 Kings 8, Solomon has pondered the question, didn't he? But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Well, on this day was the day Solomon's question is answered finally. Yes, yes. The phrase, in the city of David, teaches us, shows us, reminds us, Jesus is the true and better offspring of David. Jesus is the greater and wiser Solomon on whom God would establish his forever kingdom. Jesus is a savior. He has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, according to Hebrews 3, 3 and 4. Jesus is the greater deliverer. Namely, he saves us from our sins. Jesus is one who is Christ, the promised one, the anointed one. He is one who is the son of David, yet David's Lord. He is one who was with God and was God. He is one who is God and the Son of God. He is Jesus, Savior, Christ, and Lord. He is the promised Messiah. Verse 12 confirms this reality. The angels say, this will be a sign. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloth and lying in a manger. How would the shepherds have known who this child was if God had not revealed it to them? If the angels had not appeared... The purpose of this sign is not only to identify the child by indicating where he would be found, but also to authenticate the messianic proclamation. You will find him where no other baby in all of Israel would be found. He would be found in a manger in order that there is no confusion, that this is the one they had been waiting for under the North Star. He will be found there in fulfillment of the prophecy, Isaiah chapter 9, 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And in fulfillment of Micah 5, to you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, you who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me, one who is to be the ruler in Israel, who is coming forth is from of old, from ancient of days." When Jesus the Christ was born, hope became possible and tangible. The promises of God were fulfilled. Hence, the response of our next verses, our final point. Why is Jesus of the peace of Jesus still good news for you and me today and for those around the world? Point number three, and finally, because it is peace that brings salvation to his chosen ones and great glory to God from verses 13 and 14. When the angels had finished preaching the gospel to the shepherds, a massive angelic choir came on for a closing hymn. Verses 13 and 14 says, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, 
and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. Why did the angels bust out in praise? 1 Peter 1, verse 12 says this, The things that now have been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven are things into which angels long to look. In other words, brothers and sisters, even the angels were mesmerized by the good news of the gospel. The gospel is what heavenly angels are eager to know more of. Even to heavenly creatures, the gospel is amazing and beautiful and awesome. They cannot get over it. They cannot but praise God for it. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. The gospel is news of great joy, brothers and sisters, that angels in heaven celebrate over and something that we, every single one of us in this room, will, should praise God for all eternity. Well, what is the gospel? Does it excite you? Does it cause you to glorify God in jubilant praise? If not, why not? The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. It's the best news you will ever hear. Whether in times of sorrow or suffering, whether in times of war or of earthly peace, whether in the dark of the night or in the light of day, the gospel is the good news of great joy that tells us of a holy God who created the world in love for us to know his glory and for us to know this great joy. Yet we know that man rebelled against God in sin, don't we? Wanting to be our own gods. We rejected God. We distrusted his words. And because God cannot be one with sin, we were separated from him on a consequential and eventual path to death and judgment because of our constant submission to sin and Satan's schemes. But God had a plan from the very beginning to set apart a people for himself and sustain them forever to know his forgiving, redeeming, and saving love. And that plan, what was that plan? It was to send his son, Jesus Christ, who is truly God and truly man, God himself who took upon himself flesh in order that as man, Jesus can be our substitute life and die our substitute death. By his life, he fulfilled all that is required for God's righteousness By his death, he accomplished for us what we ourselves could never do in all of eternity, pay for the punishment of our sins on the cross. But Jesus didn't remain dead, did he? God raised him back to life in three days, just as it was written. This means that Jesus conquered Satan and death for good. This means that the powers of sin, Satan, and death was powerless against God. It means that Jesus is victorious once and for all. And so Jesus invites you and me today. Anyone who will look to him and trust in him will not face the consequences of your own sins, but will receive mercy and forgiveness of sins and will receive the gift of new life and eternal life forever with him and all who love and fear his name. Brothers and sisters, guests and visitors, this was the reason why the angels praised God that night and the reason for our rejoicing. If anyone is here today, who does not know yourself to be a Christian. Let me ask you a few questions. What is your unshakable hope? What is your certain peace? What is the foundation of your joy? In Christ is a great joy that is better than all other joys. In Christ is lasting peace and sure hope. So I plead with you, repent of your sins today. Turn from trusting in yourself and the things of this world. Believe that Jesus Christ died and rose again for you and trust him with your whole life today and tomorrow and forevermore.
If you want to know more about how to follow Jesus, the pastors of this church would love to talk to you at the close of service in the back doors, or if you turn to anybody smiling next to you and they just keep smiling at you, that means they're happy to talk to you about how amazing and awesome it is to follow Jesus. Dear beloved NCBC family, there is so much about this gospel of great joy we can learn from in these verses, aren't there? This is how God saves us, not simply by sending Jesus to be our Savior, Christ and Lord, but also by preaching to us the gospel by messengers and so that we can believe in his saving work and so that we can be reminded of joy, peace, and hope we have in Christ. God doesn't just do things. He also says things, and we have been revealed of this glorious gospel. In the new year ahead, I want to encourage us, New Covenant Baptist Church family, let's treasure his gospel. Let's proclaim his gospel unashamedly. Let's display his gospel through fellowship of this church. In a church in Bethlehem today, a humble nativity scene was set up to portray their current situation, a baby Jesus lying upon a rubble. But the truth of the matter is this. No matter what wars and political division or global pandemics may come upon us, we can be sure that Jesus is not sitting on a rubble. He is sitting on a sovereign throne in the highest of heaven. His kingdom reigns forevermore. His plan of redemption will not be thwarted until all of whom his favor rests will come to praise him as he is the King of kings and Lord of lords. Ultimately, although secular celebrations of Christmas can be canceled, even if we or Christ is canceled in our culture and our society, God's people will sing of his endless praise. Amen? The true reason for celebration cannot ever be canceled. Jesus has come. He is God with us, God Emmanuel. And Scripture tells us he is coming again. Let's hope on. Let us hope ever, evermore, and evermore. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for this word. We thank you for this reminder of a gospel of great joy, of exceeding joy, that nothing in this world can take away, that nothing in this world can disqualify. Father, if there's anyone here who does not know of this truth, help them to know you today. Help them to call on you today and turn to you today and be saved. Thank you for the message and the hope of Christmas. In Jesus' name we pray.